Hello there, it's Lee Durrant here. Welcome to another episode of Broadcast um, with my wife and business partner, Teresa Durrant. Um, today, we're interviewing Gulshan Bellut, who's a, has been a Salesforce expert since 2010 um, and started as kind of a, an accidental admin at Truephone and worked his way up to a to Salesforce BA at Groupon and a senior consultant at Accenture to now being the founder of Simplicity, a, a Salesforce partner with, with big plans. Um, Gorshin's got some great tips uh, for you, whether you're looking to get into Salesforce uh, or perhaps you're either through your career and you're looking for um, some guidance for someone who is a, <clears throat> excuse me, a mentor uh, within the Salesforce ecosystem, but also a virgin startup uh, mentor as well. So good guy to uh, listen to, hope you enjoy it, and um, thanks for listening. So welcome, uh, Gulshan Bilat. Uh, did I did I say that that right, mate? Yep, that is correct. Good, good, good job. I asked you before the recording, really, wasn't it? But uh, yes, um, welcome to the podcast, mate. Very nice to have you. Teresa is also here with us. Hello. Thanks, uh, thanks both uh, for having me. Uh, pleasure speaking to you after such a long time. It has been a while, and um, I don't know how long, but I think it's got to be a good few years, and um, probably one of the last world tours but been a long time and you've been you've done a lot since we last spoke and we will get to that obviously um but i don't know whether you've listened to any of these before but we we'd like to go kind of back to the beginning of your salesforce you know career if you like and then back to the origins right back to the origin if you can remember that far back mate and then we'll we'll go (laughs) from that to you know where we are today and what the future looks like and all that sort of stuff and and um uh you know the, the journey you've been on through there so uh and without further ado, yep. I'll let Teresa ask the first couple of questions oh, and we'll, okay. we'll just jump Fantastic. in. But, uh, yeah. So I suppose the biggest question that, or the most important question, I should probably say, is how did you get into Salesforce in the first place? Ooh, that's a million dollar question, that one. Um, so, I mean, I've never planned to go into Salesforce at all. Um, uh, it's just... Uh, I was finishing my degree at uh, university. We had one module around CRM. Um, I think it was, and we had to interview Coffin Warehouse about their own CRM system. But I've never imagined that I'll be working on CRM uh, for, my, for my whole career. But I think during um, my last year of degree, so we had, I had a bit temp job at a company called Truephone, actually. And I think they were implementing C, uh, the sales of CRM at that time. I had a basic job um, at uh, Truephone. My job was literally putting SIM cards into a phone and testing them and then shipping them. So that was uh, quite a quite a mundane task to do. And uh, I was kind of frustrated and was telling people how frustrated I was. I had more talent. And one of the directors kind of called me in, in the office. Um, I thought I was going to lose a job today uh, at that time. Really? Uh, because, uh, yeah, yeah, because... <laughs> Because I was I was already here uh, looking for a job and I had a temp job and I was kind of venting uh, during uh, at the office. So they called me in the office and they said, "Okay, what do you don't like? What do you don't like about this job?" I said, "I could do more stuff." He asked me to bring the CV to to his office the next day, and he said, "Well, there's something uh, called Salesforce. It's a CRM system. We would like you to kind of try it out and see if you can work with it." If you can work with it, then you have a job. Oh, wow. So I had, uh, yeah, I had two weeks of heavy Googling 
And back in the days, there was no trailheads. Uh, there was no uh, there was no heavy training. Uh, even the it was initial days of uh, even the certifications. What, what so yeah, a lot of googling. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you. When are we? Whereabouts are we? Uh, that was uh, 2010, probably just just 2010 or 20, uh, 2009, just approximately right. at the time. Wow. Sorry, carry on. No, see, I was just curious yeah. how long ago it was. Yeah. Okay. And sorry, another question. Uh, did what were the, what were you studying? What was the degree in? Uh, fair enough. My degree was a bit odd. So I was studying multimedia computing, but the whole the whole idea of my degree was to do with like filmmaking, multimedia side, only the creative side. With a couple of modules about IT, but I did study uh, uh, computer sciences uh, during my A levels, right? Uh, which which helped a lot um, certainly because we did some kind of programming uh, before, and anything that I've learned at uni was probably uh, I wouldn't disrespect my my degree, but a lot of things we've learned during my A levels itself, um, especially again I was brought up in Mauritius. This is where I did my A levels. Yeah. Uh, it was it was a tougher A level. Uh, at that time, so we had to learn very old school programming language like Pascal, Fortran, COBOL uh, back in the days. And oh. funny enough, when people ask me how do I know these languages, I said, yeah, I did. I did some work on them <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Uh, when I was in college. And they asked my age. I'm not. I'm not that old. <laughs> it's just we were we were using very old school systems uh, when I was growing up in Mauritius. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So good foundation though. Indeed, yeah, it, d- it does help a lot. It gives, uh, I think, you understand the foundational kind of uh, aspect of programming. So it does, mm-hmm. it does help. Okay, so so going back to this this first job, then, so you you've been told, yes, I can give you something. Um, you know, your boss has said, yeah, I've got I've got a job for you. So so kind of talk us through what happened after that. Yeah, so again, it's uh, grateful that Google existed, uh, else probably I wouldn't be able to pick up Salesforce. Yeah. So looked at help files, um, find ways to learn the system. They managed to put me on uh, as an admin on the system, even though I didn't know uh, how to even use the system. Um, and the director themselves um, didn't know, so they didn't hire anyone to do the work externally. Mm-hmm. So it was all done internal. So a lot of people didn't have the right skills, uh, including myself. Uh, but we had to, I had to learn it fast. It meant Salesforce is such a system that it's a very interesting story because it was meant, it was based, uh, the first version of Salesforce or initial version of Salesforce was based on like Amazon type of interface. Mm. So, I mean, as you probably heard about the whole story about Mark Benoff, he wanted to create a CRM or system, which is as easy to use as you would shop on Amazon. Yeah. So, so he created the whole system and, and it, it was, it's true because it's, it's very easy to set up, easy to use. The backend system at that time was not that useful um, versus the front end or the, the UI where people use the system. Mm. But yeah, had to, I had to learn kind of a baptism by fire really, because uh, I managed to do the whole, delete the whole database in, in the second week of, of, uh, of uh, using the system. Wow. And then, uh, yeah, I thought I was going to lose a job again, uh, but then I managed, <laughs> I've managed to see there's there's a recycle bin uh, in in the system, so I managed to undo what I've done. So, yeah, it was scary time. So having to play around with a system that you never heard of uh, with no not much help around. Yeah, uh, so that's that's how it started in Salesforce, really, and I kind of fell in love with the system. And I did some CRM systems before, which is kind of more open source CRM like VTiger Five before. Um, and anything to do with custom CRM because I used to be doing a lot of web design stuff. 
but this one was so perfect. And yeah. uh, funny enough, I think it was my third month. Uh, one of the developers in that company was working for the working for the billing department, and asked me, "Can you create a field in Salesforce?" I said, "Yes, I can." And they said, "Okay, how much time is going to take?" Is that going to take about three weeks? I said, "No, it's going to take me five minutes." And the guys, he was he was so confused. <laughs> I said, "Are you joking, right?" I said, "No, it's going to take five minutes," because they're so used to the backend heavy hardcore system. Never never heard about Salesforce properly. Uh, yeah, I was, I was kind of a sales guru. People loved me for that, but he wasn't me behind it. It was just Salesforce. It was such an easy system. I was going to say, you didn't even realize that included the login on time. <laughs> <laughs> it really is that quick. <laughs> it does seem crazy. It was. That was, the, that was the norm back then, wasn't it? That any, the simplest little change could literally take weeks. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's amazing how cloud computing changed the whole landscape of business. And before we used to have coders to program in, in mainframes and, and even to create small fields in a, in a small enough organization takes some time and then the testing and all that. Yeah. Uh, versus Salesforce, you create it, you don't like it, you delete it. Yeah, yeah love it. Yeah. And not as straightforward as this now, because especially if you work in a big organization, but the system allows you to scale uh, very fast and make changes very quickly as well. Fantastic. So, oh, go on. No, no, no you, I was going to say, um, so... Um, I guess the question would be, when did you know that Salesforce was for you or that you wanted a career in Salesforce? So, I mean, yeah, interesting question. Um, so when I was researching on Google about what Salesforce is about, what you love, like uh, help videos, and then uh, started to discover Mark Benioff, what he was saying, the whole history behind uh, Salesforce. I thought, because I'm, even though I'm a technical person, um, I do consider myself to be a lazy person as well because I do remember when uh, when I think one of the journalists asked uh, Bill Gates what type of person you would like to hire and and he says I would like to hire the lazy ones because the lazy ones will find will really work harder to make things simple because they don't like to work that hard <laughs> I like that yeah okay. <laughs> why is that um, so <laughs> so I had the same kind of mindset I like to keep things simple scale fast um, so and the system allowed me to play around quite a lot with it. And it was all cloud. Um, you could do that on your phone, on a laptop, no software required. And it was such easy speed to just create a process, for example. I think the idea, because we, I became like the Salesforce internal guru without much of knowledge about Salesforce myself, I thought mm. mm, that's quite a powerful system because people don't know about it. I'm the owner who, know about it, who knows about it. And uh, I just dug deeper and trained myself uh, online. And after a, couple of, after a couple of months, I've managed to kind of get myself on a Salesforce training. Uh, it's important to remember heads didn't exist back well, no, then exactly. either. So most of learning, I mean, I, I sort of self-taught as well. So most of what I learned come from YouTube and places like exactly, that. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, okay. That's, that's the best repository of, of learning. And to be honest, I mean, even though Salesforce does great training, um, all the trailheads, it's all brilliant stuff. It's kind of gamifies it, gets people more interested, uh, interested in the platform. But at the end of the day, is, is what you want to know is you want to be solving a problem. Mm -hmm. So, and you have to be able to, the system gives you so much ability, so much potential, so much different scenarios, how you can solve that problem. But at the end of the day, is 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 it, you have to think whether when you solve the problem, is it scalable? Is it future-proof? 
Uh, even though there's multiple ways to do that, do you choose the easiest way or choose the hardest way uh, to, to, to build a solution? And the only way to really understand that is to play around a lot with the system and go deep into the help files and the videos from before. I still mm -hmm. find the original uh, help stuff from Salesforce still very, very useful. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. It gives you very solid foundation. So did you find, because, you know, it sounds like it obviously was nowhere near what it's like now where you could probably find role models and mentors everywhere. Well, did you manage to have someone that you could, you know, speak to or, uh, or, or have as a, as a mentor back in those days? Uh, unfortunately not. Um, I had to fail a lot, um, mm. probably because probably that's why I'm, okay, I'm very confident in my solutions because I've failed so much before I know what not to do. Yeah, uh, but then what was helpful is when I started to discover meetups uh, where Salesforce at this kind of starting time of the user groups, um, and they were meeting up in central London. So I've joined a couple of those. Quite helpful. You managed to learn a lot of stuff that uh, you wouldn't necessarily know just by reading around. So I think the community itself, uh, as, as combined, was kind of my mentor uh, because you could ask around. I suppose, do you and, uh, remember your first Salesforce sort of event? I mean, I know you're saying about meetups, but the, back in the day when it was like a, what oh, was it called, Cloudforce, wasn't it? Yeah. It was called Cloudforce, yeah. Yeah. Do, do you remember your first one of those? Yeah. Oh, that was amazing. Uh, <laughs> never been to such a big event. Uh, and, and back in the days where uh, Mark Benioff himself would be there. He actually turned up, didn't he, with those crazy shoes? Yeah. yeah. Yes, yes. I've, I've had a couple of my first Cloudforce. That was kind of, it kind of blew my mind how big Salesforce was and how big they were kind of becoming in, in the UK. Mark Benioff, every every year, was go, I, was, uh, I would be at Cloudforce. He would be there as well. Uh, great keynote speakers. Um, uh, it, was, it was amazing. So, yeah, it was, it was amazed. I was amazed that there were so much people in IT. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all learning Salesforce, and they were so helpful. Um, any question you would ask, they were very helpful. It was a new system; they will they will kind of connect with you by email um, and tell you all about it. And the Salesforce community, uh, before the, the whole uh, the new community existed, people would would answer each other's questions. Mm. Um, so that's and if I had a problem, I would shoot a shoot a, a message on Chatter um, at that time and. People will answer the questions. Yeah. So that's how I've learned uh, a lot. Um, now, my mentors are actually, at the moment, are actually my own team um, because they kind of, the more you move up uh, in, in, the, in your career, your Salesforce skills start to dilute a little bit because yeah. uh, you yeah. do hardcore transformation projects. Uh, but yeah, I still have my team uh, who, you can, who you can learn from because uh, Salesforce is moving too fast and yeah. it's getting quite hard to kind of cope with that, that type of learning. Well, you can't be a master of it all anymore, can you? It's more a specialism within Salesforce. So, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely changed um, in the time that we've been working within Salesforce. So I can't imagine what it's like for you guys trying to keep a handle on the technology. Yes, it's, uh, well, as you probably know yourself, before you, you used to be called Salesforce. Now we have the sales cloud, the service cloud, marketing cloud, all these clouds out there. And it's, it's you have to, yeah, as you, you're very, right, you have to specialise. Um, I'm not a specialist in, in any of those clouds uh, myself because kind of I started the sales and service cloud, which were the basics. But I have a good 
uh, understanding of marketing automation, which because it's all about psychology, and I love this aspect of it because I did web design before. Yeah. Um, that's the part where I really want to excel. Um, really a lot. It's not only about Salesforce, but it's how human behaviors work, how uh, the industry works, and then find ways to, impl- to implement those kind of solutions on Salesforce, whether it's part of our marketing cloud. I think what I've learned so far is the platforms are there. You can do anything with it. Yeah. But but you need to understand what type of solutions you would uh, that would solve your client's problem. Yeah. And that's what, and then you find technical ways to achieve it. Did you find, because going back to your, you know, your career path, we were at TruePhone there, weren't we? Did, and then, so how did the, how did you get that first move then? Because obviously TruePhone, you, <clears throat> like so many people we speak to on these podcasts and so many people that we knew back in those days, you, you sort of fell into it. So when you made that choice to go, right, I'm now going to go and get a job that is fully Salesforce. Um, how did you, how did that come about? And um, I, I believe from looking at your profile, it was Groupon, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. Groupon was the actually the fastest growing uh, startup just uh, after Salesforce at that time, and it was quite an exciting brand to work with. Yeah. Um, so I think Group Truffin had a lot of changes. Um, there was like management changes internally, so I was unsure about my career. Um, so I needed to, and by that time, I knew Salesforce uh, is it will be my career. I was, because I, I did a lot of sales operations work, our true phone did became the Salesforce admin. And then I thought, okay, I think the next step is to really solve business uh, problems. Um, and I had a contact in, in Groupon and he thought, okay, let's, let's go for an interview. Yeah. Um, managed to get the, get the job, um, did some really amazing work at Groupon, you know, the fastest kind of startup at that time, fastest growing startup. Did a lot of, uh, started, started to experiment with data cleansing at a, such a large scale. Uh, yeah. About 14 million records we had to clean up uh, within like a couple of weeks. Uh, so yeah, it kind of pushed my limits slightly and things I didn't know about Salesforce. Um, I had kind of, I picked it up at Groupon just by experimenting. Yeah. Um, yeah, Groupon was was kind of the largest at that time was the largest company I've worked for, um, and and you get to experiment how business work, different departments, different stakeholders, how you manage expectation, uh, don't overpromise because uh, people just kind of ask you anything, and the minute you say yes, you've already set yourself for failure. So we kind of the whole stakeholder management. This is I've really learned that at Groupon, um, and uh, yeah, I think uh, after a couple of months of Groupon, I thought. Even though it was a great company to work for, I thought it was not meant for me because it was still startup. They were still learning a lot themselves. Um, so I wanted to work for a company that was more, a bit more established uh, where I can actually uh, have more time to learn stuff rather than kind of learn by failures again. Yeah. yeah. Was that was that when you made the move to Accenture? I can't, uh, I'm just trying to remember the, the pathway there. Yeah, I made the move to... Uh, to Active Trades, uh, which is a trading um, a forex trading uh, firm, uh, it was it was quite nice to work in a kind of more established environment. Um, they had a kind of mature CRM system. Did some amazing work down there as well because they they were experimenting with different kind of marketing activities, uh, connecting the website to Salesforce. Uh, and back in the days, I mean, as you probably know, Community Cloud never existed before. We just had a portal. So yeah. we were experimenting how to uh, make changes within your CRM and it reflects directly to your to your website. 
so we experimented a lot with that. It's good. This is the this was the time where we had uh, had a more extended team. So I had a couple of people working with me. Uh, I started to manage my my developers, and we were sharing also resources of developers from from uh, from other other departments. Uh, so I started to kind of get my hands uh, get hands on experience on on proper Salesforce um, coding. All right. Okay. Um, so I mean, I'm not the best programmer in the world, but you, as a consultant, you need to understand where the limits of Salesforce is. So when you step into customization or coding, so a lot of experimentation down there and we've we managed to achieve a, a, a lot of progress on the marketing side of that organization again i'm i'm i used to, i mean i hope i'm still the ambitious person i am uh before when i was at active trades i thought it was end of i did a year and a half close to and i thought i think i need to join the big uh, the big guys so hmm. i made a jump to to accenture to join proper consulting Okay. I was going to say, did it feel like that was something you had to do in your career then? To because I know a lot of people, um, yeah, they want to know the difference, I suppose, between working for an end user versus working for a consultancy or, or, or a product company. Um, so, what? How did that fit? I mean, on on paper for your CV, it probably was was a good move. But how did it feel working for such a big machine? I was saying that when you joined Accenture, it probably wasn't so so huge in terms of the Salesforce practice, was it? I don't think. Yeah, it was smaller at that time, but I. We were small in a massive organization. Yeah. Uh, and for someone who's only worked for smaller organizations before, it's a big change. Uh, it's certainly quite a lot, like the mindset's different in Accenture, the way you work, you're very autonomous. Um, there's no manager who will be there for you all the time because they consider you to be kind of a mature person. It was, I joined it as an experienced hire. So it was, uh, I was just thrown into deep end and I had to survive. Um, and then Accenture Salesforce practice at that time was still growing, yeah. uh, a lot of teething problems, and everyone was kind of dispersed around the world, all yeah. around, around the country. So there was not enough support, um, or actually I didn't know where to find the support because mm. it's such a large organization. They're very supportive if you meet them and ask for advice. It's just you're thrown in there. My, in the second week, I had to fly to, to, to France, uh, for some training, and then, and then literally third week, I had my first project, which was uh, a retail, uh, quite a large retail organization, and I was on my own again uh, with a team in Philippines. Wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was, yeah. Again, baptism of fire there. Uh, mm. And I suppose, Funny, if, yeah. Sorry, go on. No, I, just, yeah. Yeah, I mean, for people out there that are, I suppose, on on that career progression with the, the, the hindsight of wisdom, um, the things that you now know, how do you think people could potentially, I suppose, how could they integrate themselves into that sort of situation a bit easier? Because that, that really does sound like you had just been thrown off and into the deep end and sink or swim sort of mentality. So looking back with that, what, what kind of, I suppose, um, advice would you give people? Yeah, certainly don't do what I did. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I think my career, I've had a lot of changes in career even before I did Salesforce. Um, and I like to experiment with different things. For me, I just like problem solving. That's, that's, yeah. that's what I like. But if I had to advise someone is to, what you need to understand is don't join consulting directly. Um, it's, it's not a good choice if you haven't really experimented to uh, problem solve within for end users. Mm. That's my own uh, opinion about this. If you work for a smaller entity, 
build up experience, build up your knowledge, get get really in touch with the, the platform, uh, understand the various nuances of the platform and understand how to work with different end users. Because this is the part we're actually solving the problem directly uh, in the company. Even though you might not have the consulting experience yet, but if you don't understand that, yeah. it doesn't matter what you, they teach you in the consulting school, it won't really matter. So you, yeah. this is where the ground where you can actually see an experiment and see the value of what you're doing directly in the company you're working. And then slowly start to start doing process stuff. I mean, that's uh, I've chose kind of more solution architect uh, path. So you need to understand how process works and and it's good to experiment with different departments when you're working with, with a smaller uh, enterprise. Mm. Uh, understanding how you kind of uh, optimize processes, get in touch with people with different departments for the marketing sales, uh, service or billing. In a big enterprise or big organization, you will not get that kind of experience. So mm. once you have that solid, yeah, definitely get certified. So it gives you more credibility. <clears throat> get one or two years of it, then move to consulting. Because consulting, once you get in there, they expect that you're consultant, you can solve the problem already. If you don't have the enough experience, it's going to be quite hard. Um, and then consulting is it's not only about sales once you join the consulting gigs. It's, it's about problem solving. Right? Yeah. You can solve the problem on the platform, but it's a problem you have to solve. You have to get creative how to solve the problem. And have, you need to get creative how to ask the question to get the right requirements. Sometimes our clients will talk to you about their issues, but is that really the issue? How can you, how can you go deep down to really find the root cause of that issue? Because else you're just solving symptoms. Um, so this is where your experience before consulting will actually help a lot. Fantastic. Thank you. That's some great advice there. I was um, going to ask, it sounds like a good time to ask, probably, what, what in all the projects you've worked on them, in, I mean, we've only got to Accenture in your, your career this, this far, but would you deserve a particular Salesforce project strike you as the most challenging one that you've worked on? If so, what was it? And well, if you can name names, obviously, but you don't have to, you can describe it for us. Yes. Um, yes, I, I do. I mean, we had many tough projects but i think the toughest one was just on my last year of accenture uh it was a large very very large marketing cloud implementation and that was the time where marketing cloud just got acquired uh by salesforce so mm. it was quite exact target at that time and and uh, we i mean i think even marketing cloud uh, at that time did not uh, never implemented that type of uh project it was it was quite a large uh, education um, slash media firm yeah mm. So, yeah, I mean, as in consulting, uh, especially with companies like Accenture, uh, you ex- you're expected to have some foundational skills of problem solving, right? You need to be able to pick up skills very, very fast. Uh, today could be Salesforce, tomorrow could be anything else. Uh, but you need to be able to, to kind of uh, step up the game very, really quick. Mm. So uh, because of my marketing automation uh, kind of background and my specialty, uh, I was given the task to to uh, help implement uh, Marketing Cloud, uh, which I'd never used before. And I was, the project was already in flight. Uh, we had to close to uh, seven months to deliver that project, multinational project uh, in different countries, many stakeholders in different time zones. That was, that was really tough. And especially the fact that we, we, we were still getting used to the platform and the platform itself has some, had a lot of issues itself. Uh, so we were kind of learning uh, learning on the go. Mm. Uh, so uh, it was, we underestimated the project. 
uh, it was me and one or two uh, of my guys on that one uh, who didn't even know Marketing Cloud at that point. We had to repurpose a lot of consultants, um, managed to get other people uh, from different centers of Accenture to kind of chip in. Mm. Uh, funny enough, all these people, when they left the project, all they all became Marketing Cloud specialists. Um, <laughs> and they, they all left uh, all the organization too. A lot of them work with Salesforce now. So this is how we got, uh, we started to train ourselves. It was, yeah. it was a lot of failures and it was long, long, long hours. In certain, at certain days, it was like uh, close to 20 hours of work. Wow. Okay. Um, but yeah, that was a tough project. It's just the, the time it took to really understand and manage the stakeholders across various different time zones. Yeah. And get them aligned. Once you get them aligned, you wait two days, they're already misaligned again. Yeah. yeah. Everyone has their own kind of ways of doing things. It was, it was hard to get, kind of get, get hold of the right people uh, many times. But we managed to deliver the project successfully. I mean, Accenture, this is what they're really good at. doesn't matter what, they will, they will make it happen. Yeah. Uh, and the, and the, the people have that type of mindset. We're trained that way. It's like we are, we are trained to be the Navy SEAL type of uh, consultants. <laughs> you have to get it done, right? You have to get in there, get it done, and then get out. But it was, it was the toughest project. Uh, it's just every, a lot of people, energy got so drained at the end of the project, we had to take time off. Uh, I've decided to take a sabbatical uh, for, for a couple of months, uh, which from a couple of months to seven months, seven, eight months. Wow. But yeah, it was it was that type of project. But the thing is, at everyone uh, everyone spoke with in, in Accenture, you need to have a project like this mm. that defines who you are, that mm. defines what you want to do. Because a lot of people might not like it. They will carry on doing different things. But the fact that they've They've got that kind of a, a, badge, a badge of honor. It doesn't matter if it's a failed project or a successful project. They've got that, that belt, or that yeah. black belt that they can, they can say, well, I've done that. And then anything else becomes so easy. Yeah. Well, it's almost like acknowledging that you've arrived as a, you know, the specialist, isn't it? Yeah. You yeah. Know, the challenges often present the biggest opportunities. So that, that opportunity to learn, that opportunity to grow as an individual and that opportunity to demonstrate what you have the potential that you have so yeah it's um that's interesting thank you for sharing so, so it sounds like it's also one of your proudest ones would you say it, it, it in terms of the fact you you managed to deliver it you know successfully yeah well we, i mean it was successfully to the point where someone called me at 2 a.m in the morning saying something was broken and then we had to fix it yeah. <laughs> the next day uh, but it was it was delivered on time on budget uh with its issues, yes, but as as you know, a big transformation project is always always have some some nuances. But in the biggest scheme of things, it was successful. And as 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 Lee, as you mentioned, yes, it was one of the toughest projects I've ever been on. But yeah, I'm proud that I've been through that. And you need to have these kind of these these war wounds to to call yourself a specialist, right? Like doctors, they spent ten, what, ten years studying for to become a specialist or a doctor. And you haven't done any surgery in your life, any tough surgery, you can't really call yourself a specialist. Yeah, yeah. So for me, that was my defining moment. And I knew from that point, anything else would have been easy. Bulletproof yeah. from that point on. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Okay. Um, go on, Teresa. Sorry, you last one. No, I was just going to say, if we, we kind of, I'm very conscious of the time for you, but um, I suppose maybe tell us a little bit about more what you're doing at the moment. 
Well, there's a jump. It's a jump from Accenture to where you are. For, forgive us for not remembering. So, what, what happened to get to where you are at the minute? You've got quite an entrepreneurial spirit, haven't you? You've always had little. I say little. You've always had companies and ideas, haven't you, on the go? So, um, yeah, tell us about the leap from Accenture, as opposed to simplicity. Yeah, you're right. I mean, the thing is, funny enough, you know, the whole word of entrepreneur, I never understood the meaning of it. And, and actually, and I didn't even knew the word. It's a French word. To, it's a French word that says entreprendre. But when I got to London a long time ago, um, I was always kind of getting my hands on different things, trying to kind of solve things. Um, and then one person asked me, said, you're an entrepreneur. I said, I didn't know what that means. Mm-hmm. For me, I just like to solve problems. And I think I've always had a lot of different ideas, uh, even during my time uh, from starting a true phone. I mean, during my uh, end of university, I had my first small company uh, where we used to do web design. Uh, we were kind of experimenting with the conversion rate optimization at that time, which was a very new concept. Um, but we were too small to make to make a proper business and nobody would listen to a couple of young kids out of uni. Yeah. Um, so that failed big time. Then from then changed into uh, starting selling T-shirts online, producing designs. I was just because I like the whole idea of web and, and online systems and mm-hmm. online uh, e-commerce platforms. So we're playing around with various uh, various um, uh, various problems to solve in the marketplace. And then, as you probably know, went to jobsandsalesforce.com, which was supposed to be uh, Salesforce specialized job site. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I think all these things all kind of defines that uh, you can be, uh, you can, a lot of people can choose to be a, an entrepreneur, but I didn't choose to be one. For me, it just happens. And after my, uh, when I took a sabbatical at uh, Accenture, I decided to give, I was tired uh, at that time. So, mm. and I've, I've, I've started to, uh, I had a couple of charity projects I was working with at Accenture before. I said, you know what, I'm going to give all my time to charities. And for close to what, seven, eight months, I was spending all my money just traveling around and helping charities. And especially in the UK, I was giving my time for free. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and at the same point, um, I've kind of uh, looked at my bank account. There was about probably around 500 pounds left, which, which only allowed me to get back to UK uh, on a very cheap flight and uh, had to do something. So those charities said to me, well, gosh, I think maybe if you, you've been giving us all this free time. Maybe if you set something up like an entity, then we can pay you. I said, well, it's a charity. I don't like to get us for money. But they said, yeah, you have to get paid. How, how are you going to pay your rent? Yeah. So yeah, uh, that was, uh, that was a point where I said, okay, let's, let's do something. So set up uh, an entity called simplicity because I'm, I'm a minimalist and like, <laughs> I like simple we stuff. Lazy. It's yeah, well, exactly. So yeah, I've created simplicity uh, at that time without understanding what it would become. Uh, I just created it and just to help the charities and they would pay me kind of uh, just uh, uh, very heavily discounted services for myself. But the idea was not to make money out of them, was to just help them because I thought during my Accenture time, they, they only get, we only get three days per year to do charity work and I wanted to do more. Yeah. Three, day, three days per year is not enough so I started doing that and then people came back to me and said yeah you're doing some freelancing here I said yes doing some Salesforce then got some more projects and then here we are for five years uh, haven't had a proper holiday 
<laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> welcome to the world of running a business. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Uh, yeah. Now, so do you guys focus still in that nonprofit.org world? And 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 tell us about where you are now with the company. Uh, we still do uh, ch- charity projects, but we do that pro bono. Oh right, okay. Uh, we 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 don't charge for it at all. Um, some clients, I mean, we used to have a couple of clients where they had bigger projects, uh, charity projects at Salesforce, but slightly larger that it, it requires a team. Um, but we, we don't take a lot of those. Uh, what we leave is, uh, especially with charities, I've worked with them so many, so many years, what they require is uh, small chunks of assistance or continuously yeah. rather than one big thing and then they can't really absorb and manage. I've seen that fail, uh, fail projects too many times and then they start blaming the system. But actually what we tend to do is uh, if you're a charity, uh, you reach out to us, we'll try to understand what is it that you're struggling with. Right? Forget the system. What is it you're struggling with? Do you need more donors? Or you can, can you manage kind of donations? So is that your marketing activities what you're struggling with? And then we build a roadmap for you. But then whenever we have free time, we say, okay, let's just trigger uh, one portion of that roadmap and then we solve it and then move to the next. And doing that also helps them to kind of absorb and, and use and adopt the system rather than just, okay, three months of project and then you're on your own again. Yeah. So we do that, we do that pro bono. We don't charge for it. We've been helping a lot of charities recently. That's amazing. amazing. So, oh, well, I've got to ask the question, how do you make, how do you make your money then? Because you obviously, you know, you have employees now and, and, and uh, I think you have, forgive me if I get this wrong, but like an offshore team in Mauritius now, is that right? Yes, so we are split between UK and, and Mauritius. I mean, I was born in Mauritius, so I thought, because uh, um, we do also charities in Mauritius, and I wanted to give back to uh, where I'm from. So we've set up a team in Mauritius, hired people, um, trained them up as, as if I've trained people at Accenture. Uh, funny enough, our office is next to Accenture's office in Mauritius as well. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so we've, we've, um, we do take a lot of, uh, of uh, commercial projects. Uh, and this is where I do excel myself because I've been doing that for such a long time and I can, can easily see uh, how we can help businesses. And we, we, we specialize in the whole lead to cash process. How, you, how do you qualify your leads faster? How do you process your opportunities faster? How do you kind of measure uh, your, your pipeline better and get insights um, around forecasting and how you build upsell, cross-sell even, even faster. So we've, we've started to develop our own kind of um, – accelerators um, through many of years of doing the same thing. And this is what we help clients with. Uh, we do take a handful of clients. Uh, we are a small team, uh, so we're not the Accenture or, or the other slightly larger SI, uh, particular size. Yeah. So we, we do select our clients. Uh, some of them are large, well, in the SME side, it's the large enough, uh, generating over 100 million above. Uh, but then what we do with them, we work them for many years. Um, recently, uh, we've had a uh, grateful to have a client where we've, they were let down by a bigger SI and we had to take over. And this is where it's, it, I mean, it doesn't matter how big or small you are. It's not about uh, a name. It's about the, the personal attention you give to that client because they have a different culture. They have different ways of work internally. So you need to be able to leverage that. You can't just be placing consultants on there and say, expect them to work. It will fail on both sides, actually. So this is where we, what we do, where we have the personalized roadmap. And we help on business side as much um, on the technical side. So that balance uh, it made it quite successful. 
um, and they, I mean, even Salesforce brags about the job we did um, at, at that organization. Oh, fantastic. That's good. <laughs> it's always nice when the, uh, the mothership uh, gives you recognition yeah. for a project well done. Yes, so, indeed. So just out of interest, I mean, obviously we have to talk about the thing that we've all struggled with over the last 12 months. How has COVID affected your business, your career, or, you know, just in general? I think uh, given that we're not that big and we only work with a selective few clients, so business-wise didn't really affect us that much okay. um, because we had long-term contracts with all clients. So, and, and our clients are all in high tech. So they, they were, the more we were working with them, the more money they'll be making themselves. So a lot of them kind of thrived during the pandemic. Yeah. Um, so especially one of them is in logistics. So they won contracts with the NHS. Um, so they, a lot of them thrived. Uh, what I did, what did affect is to change uh, from office to fully online. Because uh, yeah. especially in consulting, you need to do a lot of workshops. You need to do a lot of process mapping, a lot of meetings where physical uh, kind of face-to-face is, is easier. So we had to readapt very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially with the tools. I mean, having the meeting online is fine, but having tools to do the workshops, uh, to process map uh, live was tricky. So we managed to pivot very fast in this. So we use, we've kind of redeveloped our methodologies around this. But it does a lot, it affected a lot of people like, mentally, mm-hmm. uh, not being able to go out. And it certainly kind of shows in the work we do sometimes because you're tired and, and you're like mm-hmm. eight hours a day just on calls and your brain dead. Uh, it's it, it was hard uh, personally, yeah. But but uh, business was was okay. It's just more mentally draining. Uh, mm. I think that was the issue. Yeah, yeah. I, I think everyone's been surprised by the reactions, haven't they? I don't. We you know no one's ever experienced this before. Certainly not for our generation. So it's just been a huge, massive learning curve for businesses and for individuals. I think. Do you, do you foresee yourself going back to an office? So were, were you like fully in an office before or were you a little bit of a mix? Uh, we're always mixed. So when when I started, to, I'll, I'll be very honest, I'm kind of the, one of the odd ones. I, I don't really like the whole corporate thing. Okay. Uh, um, I, I don't really like office. I don't really like the whole kind of formal structures. I like always kind of behaving like a, a startup. So we never, we, we had an office, we had a very small office, but the idea was to, it's just a base when we hit, we need to hang out as a team. Mm. Yeah. But we are all remote from day one. The only thing that we used to do is like we used to go to our client's office or book a meeting place to have workshops. Uh, that's the only thing that we had to kind of reinvent. Uh, yeah. But we we've been we've been uh, remote from from day one mostly. Yeah. But to your question, I would still like the balance of meeting face to face. But then remote work as well. Well, hopefully we should get that soon. <laughs> I think it's yes. Monday, isn't it? So uh... we should say this is this is yeah recorded in May, isn't it? Um, twenty twenty one. So yeah, yes, we're looking crossed. forward to lockdown easing. Nothing. Yeah, for, as, from, as, as an ecosystem, Southwell seems to have been reasonably. It's come through this okay because I suppose ultimately Southwell and, and what it provides is is kind of almost made for this kind of situation. Um, so it does seem to have been. It's, it's come through it, and if anything, it's, it seems to be stronger at the moment. Um, I don't know if you would agree with that, Dorshan. No, absolutely. I mean, I think it just proves the the the, the idea behind cloud, cloud computing. Um, it yeah. was it was good that Salesforce existed because a lot of businesses wouldn't really run properly because uh, 
if you had only uh, office space uh, or mainframe system, nothing on cloud, none of your employees or any employees would be able to, to run, uh, operate efficiently. So it proved that the cloud computing uh, actually works. Mm-hmm. So you can actually scale, build uh, on the cloud and, and kind of uh, scale your business just fully remotely, which is what I liked always about Salesforce because the fact I'm a big fan of apps on my phone. I do. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. So uh, if you can do that on the app, that means you, you're good. Uh, I, I do I do all my stuff on my phone itself. Uh, I barely use even Salesforce desktop to be fine. So, to be <laughs> so if you can do that on your phone, then you know it's a right it's a right solution. Yeah, yeah. fantastic. You can always worry of time. Did, so what, what's your you know what, how do you see the future of of what well, I'm not to say for the you know humanity with COVID, but <laughs> the future of Salesforce ecosystem with what's happened in the last twelve months? Do, do you have any kind of thoughts on? How it's going to go? I think it's just they've got more fuel. They've got rocket fuel at the moment. Mm. Uh, they'll move even faster. And I mean, during the, I mean, you've probably seen it's probably the work.com was actually one of the fastest product ever created. Uh, and they created within a couple of months just during the pandemic. Mm. And the, the fact that they didn't have to do the, the whole Dreamforce every year, there's so much budget that could be kind of uh, put back into R&D work. Um, so, sell, I mean, a lot of people were skeptic when Salesforce was around. People think, oh, no, Microsoft was going to be uh, the big thing. SAP was still going to be around. I mean, a lot of people were still on uh, on uh, Siebel at that time. So, yeah. but I think that those, they were hard to scale. So, Salesforce just proved that it scales really fast. Uh, so, when they were reaching their limits, they went on acquiring other other products. And they will carry on doing that. You've probably seen how many domain names they've changed over the many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they had the best domain names for some reason, data.com, community.com, like all these great uh, domain names. And I think they will, in the next five years, as they already announced, they, they're already creating uh, close to 5 million, uh, 5 million jobs uh, in, in, in the ecosystem. So I think they've got plans to accelerate further. Yeah. The only issue I see here is... Uh, so much demand. How do you how do you get people to uh, to learn that fast? Yeah, we we we're not as quick as technology, are we? <laughs> yeah, so that's that's the trick. But I think they're going to go bigger and bigger. Yeah. Uh, they're going to be even. I think I heard the rumors where Microsoft had an interest to kind of buy them out, but they were too big to even be acquired. Really? So it shows. Yeah, so it shows how big they are. And that the mindset at Salesforce is all about innovation. And I think what they started with the whole uh, the whole thing around customer centricity, kind of baked into the whole DNA of uh, of Salesforce. I think that that becomes an obsession, mm. and everything they do has that obsession in there. So they're always creating new things, and people coming to Salesforce become or inherit that obsession so it's everyone i speak with it feels like a, it's a cult but it's actually a great cult uh salesforce but the, because they obsess about the customers they're always going to create new things yeah i mean you think back to when you you know the be- beginning of this conversation when you first started that, that there still is that sense that people will still help you and this whole trailhead thing this whole phenomenon around that um you still does it still feel like it did maybe back in 2010 when, you know, you ask a question, it gets answered and, and people are still helpful on that? Uh, that's, that's quite, 
Interesting. I mean, they did push quite a lot. I think they have a lot. Of, they have a lot of demand, so they they had to scale their learning their learning platform, uh, which, and Trailheads was was the answer. Uh, the only thing I'm, I'm worried is is the you can learn the platform very quick. I mean, the platform is very easy to use, but that's not going to create the best consultants or the best problem solvers. Uh, uh, so that's that's what I'm worried about, especially with uh, with new hires. They all do, they all do their trailheads, hundreds and hundreds of hours on trailheads. But when you put them on a project, uh, now there's no other, there's no trailheads you could use when you have to deal with a unique scenario. There's no substitute for real world experience, is there? Exactly. All of that experience translates into business processes and business systems and stuff like that. So. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's my worry. Start, but where's your common sense? So it's um... exactly as you say. This what's, where's where's common sense, right? <laughs> doesn't mean doesn't mean uh, you can build it that you should build it. Sometimes yeah. you have to stop and think. Okay, is that the right choice? Uh, is a class? Sometimes I know customers always right, but you're the consultant at the end of the day. Uh, sometimes the customer pay, is paying you and your time to to get them to think differently. Yeah. So this is a part where it's it's hard to train, and you can only train that if you have people giving the opportunity to, to learn on the project or to learn on the work. Yeah. And given the trailheads, it's all great that people can learn fast, but how can you build experience that fast as well? That is the issue that I see in the current marketplace. Uh, and I think there's only one thing and we can't cheat it. And that's called time, isn't it? You, you have to pay your dues. You don't get to be an expert like yourself on day one. You, you've put in a good 10 years of hard work to get there. So it's, yeah, unfortunately, you can't bypass kind of like that. You said a lot of failing, um, you know, which is which is how you learn, isn't it? Um, do, do you have any? I appreciate we're we're nearly an hour already. Um, and, and do you have any sort of final comments, or perhaps for? I think the people that tend to listen to these are people that you know would look at you and think, "Well, that's an that's an interesting career trajectory." Trajectory. Sorry, how do I how do I get into that? Do you have any sort of tips for people at the beginning of their Salesforce career? And yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no single blueprint of success if you want to be a Salesforce consultant. You need to be passionate about problem solving. I think that's my personal opinion. If you like to problem solve, then I think Salesforce is the right platform. The thing is, you need to have that motivation first. Yeah. Uh, really understand. I mean, I had many careers even before Salesforce. So I think I, if I had some kind of mentor at that time, I probably didn't wouldn't waste my time failing a lot. Uh, certainly help for sure, but definitely get yourself someone, a good mentor who's been in the ecosystem for a couple of years at least. Yeah. And and talk to them and, and, and share experiences and then see whether that's the right fit. Mm. Um, if you're in doubt, you still have to do it because then that's the only way you can learn. Um, you can do your trailheads, but then the best thing to do is to start, get yourself uh, like one of the developer orgs and start playing around with it. Start breaking stuff, but don't break stuff with, with the organization you work for. No, not the customer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you start breaking stuff, right? Um, practice your trailheads and don't only follow trailheads. Trailheads is a way just to get you started. Yeah. But then you have to break the system yourself to be able to understand uh, how it works and how can you solve uh, business, real business problems. But definitely a, a mentor uh, or anyone who can give you the guidance is definitely helpful. And and then before you start doing certifications and more trailheads, get get yourself used to start understanding the industry, start understanding what you're trying to solve yeah. uh, and see whether that excites you. Because you know that but 
down the line, you're going to be working on many tough projects uh, where it's going to be quite like heavy, a uh, lot of energy draining. So can you sustain that um, yourself? If you really like what you do, it's going to feel like a game. But if you don't really like it, uh, you start you will start blaming the system, blaming yourself. You chose a, a different career uh, or mm-hmm. you choose the right career. So it's, it's not a right and wrong answer. Yeah, the thing is, yeah, yeah, it's. <laughs> I, I you mentioned uh, you didn't mention sorry. You, mentioned, well, you did mention mentoring because you, you do. You, are you still a mentor for Virgin startups as well? I am indeed. Yes, that's good. Did that, to do something similar because that would be cool if they did, wouldn't it? Um, I'm part of their mentor group as well. So uh, if this is all uh, pro bono basis, so if I'm part of the whole uh, Salesforce Tile Alliance, where I do give uh, talks to. Uh, people who just kind of starting their Salesforce careers and started in the trailheads or had first certification. Now they plan to the next one, how they can get into, uh, get into work and practice more. So Salesforce has the whole Salesforce site Alliance, which we are part of, and we do that quite a lot. Uh, in Mauritius, what we're trying to do as well is to kind of build the whole academy, uh, hopefully with Salesforce, where we actually get in people to really understand especially the whole African uh, and Mauritius market. Mm. Uh, we're trying to get them to really understand Salesforce and big Salesforce in their own um, uh, university's curriculum. Oh, fantastic. Just make sure I heard that right as well. So I know you said it twice, but I still wasn't sure if I heard it right. Did you say Salesforce Site Alliance? Talent Alliance. Sorry, it's just a slight break. Uh, okay, I'll make a note of that. I can't say I'd heard of that one, but it's, it's my bad. Um, brilliant. Well, I mean, I'm happy to wrap it up because I think, you know, you had an hour and you've given us a full hour, which is which is brilliant. I mean, unless you have any further comments, but uh, um, I could probably uh, book in another one of these with you because you've got lots of, lots of I know we just scooched over the top of it all, um, but really appreciate it. I can talk hours and days uh, about <laughs> Salesforce and, and different variances of careers I had and more than happy to talk to anyone about this. And for, for me, uh, I always believe in the more you, you teach, the more you, you share knowledge, the, the better you become, the, yeah. most, the more strong your knowledge will, will be. And I've always believed that. And, and I believe, I think the biggest university I've been through was Google. So, <laughs> yeah. so oh, yes. I've Googled so much in my life, uh, which was for free. So uh, why do I need to charge people to share that knowledge? And, and again, it shows in my own organization, everyone I've, uh, who started here has been trained by myself. Um, in, in the ways that I, th- I, I thought it was like, it's fit. And I do still, uh, people come in as interns and I train them up and they leave for better places. I'm happy that uh, even though they don't want to stay, I'm happy they've learned something and then hopefully they can pass that down to other people. And that's, that's the best way to kind of solve. Again, if you want to solve the whole world's problem, start by solving one person's problem at a time. Oh, yeah, what a great, what a great way to end. Yes. Thank you. Um, thank you for your generosity of time because it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. Yeah, thanks. And thanks for having me, Theresa and Lee. Um, pleasure uh, to, to be part of your podcast and and hopefully uh, your audience have uh, will be able to learn something uh, from, oh. from this conversation. We're getting good feedback that people are listening to these podcasts, so you'll be pleased to know that. <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely one of them. <laughs> so it's definitely good. Thank you. Oh, thanks. Thanks so much, Ingolstein. Um, speak to you soon, mate. Thank you very much, both. Uh, pleasure. You have a great day. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you again to Gilshan and uh, thanks, thanks to Teresa as well for helping me out on that one. And also thanks to you for, for listening in. Feel free to reach out to us if you uh, feel like you want to be on one of these. 
uh, or you know someone that perhaps we should talk to, the email for myself is lee at resourceonline.com. Teresa is the same, it's just Teresa at resourceonline.com. And of course, our website is resourceondemand.com. So by all means, try and look us up and, and reach out to us. It'd be great to hear from you. Otherwise, we'll see you on the next, uh, next episode. Thanks a lot.